You are Locked On Padres. Your daily San Diego Padres podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of the Lockdown Padres Podcast, which is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day for Tuesday, November 17th. My name, of course, as always, is Javier Reyes, your host of this year, Lockdown Padres Podcast, guys. Check out and follow the Twitter page for the show, which is at LO underscore Padres, or my personal account, which is at Javapeno, which is spelled J-A-V-I-I-P-E-N-O. And if you feel so inclined, please hit me up on there with any questions, comments, or concerns you might have. There's also the Gmail, which is LockdownPadres at gmail.com. You can email me there. You can do anything. Hey, just, just this past uh, Friday. This past, what was it, Friday? Yeah, it was this past Friday. I did a whole mailbag uh, answering your guys' questions. That was a really good episode. Highly recommend you guys going and listen to that. But for today's episode, we are doing something else entirely. We have to talk about some news. Some big news. Some would say it's bad. Others would, oh, no, 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 wait, no, my mistake. Everyone would say it's bad. The thing I'm referring to, of course, guys, is Mike Clevenger and his injury and his uh, contract extension and everything that happened yesterday. Going to talk about that, give my thoughts on that. And then in the second half of the pod, just going to, because I realized I haven't talked about this, just wanted to give my reaction to uh, Freddie Freeman winning the National League MVP over Manny Machado. And then talk about a lovely, 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 just to kind of end the podcast on a happy note, because these are two negative topics almost, you could argue. Uh, Just want to talk about this commercial. That I saw yesterday from Adidas about Fernando Tatis Jr. So without further ado, guys, let's just let's just get right into it. Okay, so yesterday it was announced in a very extremely Padres fashion uh, on the Padres Twitter account. They said the Padres have signed right-hand pitcher Mike Clevenger for a two-year contract through the 2022 season. Nice, you think nice, right? And then they say Clevenger will also undergo Tommy Dunn surgery on Tuesday. Well, shiitake mushrooms, everybody. Oh my gosh. And just for uh, getting on the record, his contract is two years, $11.5 million. He's going to make $2 million in 2021 as he rehabs, and he's owed $6.5 million in 2022, plus potential bonus, uh, bonuses for performance based on game start and all that stuff, uh, which could you know amount to around $3 million, all that stuff, right? So that's how the contract breaks down. But let's just talk about that, this, and I've seen some reactions and whatnot, but for the most part, yeah, I agree with all of them. Here's the thing, guys. This is an absolute disaster, and I feel... I'm not going to say responsible. I'm not. I'm obviously not responsible. But I will say this. I, for the better half of basically since the season ended, and people asking me some of my free agency questions, so even that mailbag that I did might not age well, where I talked about, you know, maybe the Padres, they're okay because, you know, they don't have to worry about getting a second starting pitcher or another starting pitcher, I should say, because they've got Clevenger and Lament, who by all accounts, they, they are hurt, but they should be okay. It was Bones Chips in Mike Clevenger's elbow. And now all of a sudden, it's revealed that he has to get Tommy John surgery. I mean, this is basically the epitome of what was the worst case scenario for trading for Clevenger. And this is a guy who's been hurt before too. So this isn't, that's what's even worse about this. That's why this might be a total, total disaster for the Padres. And look, I'm not even trying to be hyperbolic when I say that. He's had Tommy John surgery before. And there was actually a story done by Kevin Acey over at the Tribune that I, I recommend everyone reading. And he basically talks about, it's very rare that people come back from two Tommy John surgeries and forget just coming back the same way they were, just coming back at all and being at even like some what effective, you know, and, and guys like Nathan Evaldi have done it before, but it's not like Nathan Evaldi is necessarily the name that comes to mind for an incredible starting pitcher, right? He's been good before, 
before, but he's never been this guy that's, you know, been incredible. So it is nice that the Padres got him technically based on just his statistics and his talent on a bit of a discount, but still it doesn't matter because he's not pitching next year anyway. Really, let's just, and then look at it from this perspective, the amount of things that the Padres gave up, that nine-player like deal, they gave up hedges, which is fine, but they give up some interesting guys, and Josh Naylor among among one of them, Cal Quantrill, like, it's, you know, part of it is like, I mean, at least could we have gotten a postseason start out of him, and we basically didn't, he only went one inning in the series against the what was it the was it the Cardinals series? Or was it the Dodgers series? It was the Dodgers series? There we go. He only went like one inning, and it's just this is a complete disaster. And it is proof that from now on, forever and always, you need to be skeptical about the injuries. I take fault for that. I take fault for that. I feel like some people might have been trying to tell me or what otherwise, right? And they're trying to say, look, we can't trust the Padres at all this stuff. They always do this. They always underplay the injury. Because I mentioned that about Lamette. You know what I mean? Which is what's so ironic. I mentioned when he got hurt back in September, I was like, I actually think they're underplaying that one. And he didn't even get a chance to start in the postseason. Now, he's due for some type of throwing session December 1st. So we'll see how that goes. But in terms of Clevenger, it's like, well, how am I supposed to have any confidence that Lamette isn't seriously hurt? And he's going to require Tommy John surgery too. Not to put the worst out there, but that's just what I'm thinking, guys. That's the, I'm at a high, upset moment right now. This is literally the worst case scenario. And honestly, some people argued that the, the Indians didn't get too much of a return from Clevenger. Right? And I'm not going to go down conspiracy rabbit hole, but it makes you think maybe they just thought this guy's damaged goods. This guy is going to get hurt. He's injury prone and all that stuff. So let's just offload him and get some stuff uh, back, you know, some at least some pieces, maybe not a star because the Padres weren't willing to deal, thank God, any of their top, you know, core five uh, prospects from Campizano to Gore to Abrams and what have you. And others started stated reasoning. They were like, well, they have Tristan McKenzie, and the Indians have so much pitching that they might as well have gotten rid of this guy, right? Well, maybe we're starting to wonder. Maybe they got rid of him because they really knew that this guy's health was a little bit of an issue. And now it begs the question, you know, first of all, yes, I, we are in danger mode of just being like, is Chris Paddock going to be this opening day starter next year? It's not out of the realm of possibility. Because I don't have full confidence that the Padres are being fully truthful about the Nelson Lamette right now. I just don't. I just don't. So now, instead, I was mentioning in the podcast where I was like, I don't think, I think there's like a 2-5% chance that they sign Trevor Bauer because I was like, look, they have two two guys that they're looking forward to, and then they're looking forward to Mackenzie Gore and Luis Patino coming up, so they aren't necessarily in dire need of a starting pitcher. All of a sudden, they absolutely are. Now, in terms of Trevor Bauer, I don't think that fully changes my prediction on Bauer. I think that Bauer, I'm not buying the whole one-year thing. I think teams and... I'm using the Bryce Harper and Manny Machado year as evidence. I think that teams are always lying and negotiating and trying to bring down wages when it comes to free agency baseball, which is awful. And I'd love to talk to somebody else about how much uh, baseball just fumbles when it comes to free agency and how they could have something just as exciting as the NBA, which yesterday just saw just a bananas amount of announcements and James Harden might get traded and Chris Paul literally got traded. My boy, my beloved Paulie. I love Chris Paul. That's my favorite player. Uh, basketball, if any of you guys were curious. Um, you would wish that, and I remember years ago we were like, "Oh, they're gonna, they're not gonna pay Machado and Harper all this money." Then they gave Manny Machado, you know, the eight-year deal, and then Bryce Harper gets a 13-year deal. So I'm not buying that when it comes to the top free agents. Trevor Bauer, I think, is gonna get paid a whole lot of money, and I don't think it's necessarily gonna be one year. Could he do a one-year, like, 35 million dollar contract? I mean. I'd be interested to see it. I'm not going to lie. I'd be super interested to see that. I don't think it'll happen. I feel like he's 
bluffing a little bit. I think he really does want that security of a long-term contract. I think that he said that you you know back before he was the best pitcher in the NL. I mean, not for sure, but you guys get what I'm saying. He had like the best season, right? So I, I but I think that Padres fans should not look to Trevor Bauer now all of a sudden because I don't know if they can necessarily afford that. Remember, they can't get rid of guys like Eric Hosmer and Will Myers, who finally looks like he's showing something. I worry that might just cripple the clubhouse chemistry for one. But also, I don't necessarily know who's going to be willing to take that chance on Will Myers. I mean, that's probably what they have to do in order to afford, be able to stomach the salary it would probably cost to get Trevor Bauer. So instead, you know, you look at Marcus Stroman; he re-upped with the Mets. So now all of a sudden you're looking at some mighty eh, kind of starting pitching out there. I mean, who are the next best available guys? You know, James Paxton, Masahiro Tanaka, Kevin Gosman just got signed, Drew Smiley just got signed, who I mentioned in the mailbag on Friday. I don't know, guys. And this is, like I said, I don't like to be hyperbolic, but this is a total disaster. And I know just some other news I've seen that the, the Cubs – you know, uh, Theo Epstein stepped down, and it, it leads credence to the belief that, yeah, they're really going to start trading a bunch of guys. Chris Bryant, who's been talked about all season, but also an interesting name was Javier Baez. And some people were talking about, whoa, what if he came to the Padres? What if you, you move Cronenworth to left field or something like that? And I think that I would be doubtful about that, but I can't lie, guys. Some double, some double, uh, Fun times over at that infield, that Baez Tatis infield would be absolutely electric to watch from a defensive, just magnifique perspective, and also because the Puerto Rican power, of course, with Javier Baez. I would love to have him, and it means that we have another Javi, I guess, associated with the Padres, myself being obviously, you know, the least important one, but still. So, yeah. I'm definitely, I think this changes almost everything about the Padres. I am not confident that Lamette and that they're not downplaying that too. I'm not confident that they're not downplaying like the Luis Campizano thing with his arrest. I am really worried about the team all of a sudden. A team that all, you know, went from being the most, the biggest success story basically, basically of the, all of the season. And now all of a sudden we're heading into an offseason where we might have to rely on Chris Paddock to be our ace starter. And then really, basically what we were hoping for last year almost heading into last season, kind of what we were hoping for, you know, is that Chris Paddock breaks out and that this time we're going to be hoping that he has a bounce back and that, you know, Mackenzie Gore and Patino come along at some point. That's what we got to hope for, guys. This is bad, and who knows if Mike Clevenger is going to be nearly uh, as good as he is and when he's back. If he comes back and it's easy to say right now that Padres might have lost this one. They might have missed and it stinks, and I don't necessarily say that they should regret the trade, because who knew that he would be just damaged goods like this, but man, is it really sad to see. And now, guys, after that, let's talk a little bit about my next topics that I wanted to uh, preach here a little bit. I already talked about a little bit of the news, like Theo Epstein probably being the biggest thing, and you know which different Cubs are going to get traded, but I want to talk about a little bit really quickly my thoughts on Freddie Freeman winning the MVP. I know this happened last week, but just wanted to quickly gloss through that. Uh, Freddie Freeman won the National League MVP award over Mookie Betts and Manny Machado. I think that when you go on numbers, Mookie Betts is the best player between all three of these guys, but I have to admit, being on the stack Dodgers probably thankfully probably didn't play well into his winning the award which is what I think because the Dodgers were already probably the best team in baseball and for you to add Mookie Betts it's like well he was great and I actually think that there's a really interesting conversation to be had between him and Mike Trout about whether who's the best player in baseball now and not because I'm I'm not saying statistically he's better than Mike Trout. He really isn't. But I actually think there's an interesting thing that I might write about, actually. So stay tuned for that, I guess. But anyway, back to what I was saying before. Um, Freddie Freeman, by basically all accounts, was just one of the best offensive players in the NL this year. 
just the best player, man. He was even better probably than Mookie Betts in some areas. So I understand that. I'm not upset about this. I think I said this back when I was talking about my awards preview and some of the announcements is that, look, man, Manny Machado, I do think, has the argument going for him that there is a little bit of an excitement with the Padres this year. The Padres as a whole had this resurgent season. They became the most exciting team in baseball with the exception of maybe the the, the Chicago White Sox, and which is what I talked with Herb Lawrence a few weeks ago, which I recommend you guys checking that out as well. Um that there's something to be said for how much he really brought the team back and how much they needed him to pull through after a really poor, by his standards, first year of this mega deal that he signed and just being a part of history in a lot of ways. And Freddie Freeman, the Braves, you know, the Braves we already knew were going to be good. So there's something a little bit to be said for Manny Machado's unexpectedness for being in the award by comparison, I guess you could say. Eh, it's a little bit of a stretch on my part to say that it's a little bit unexpected for Manny Machado to be an MVP conversation. But still, I really think that uh, if you look at it from that perspective, that Machado might be a little bit more deserving. But bottom line is, he didn't get robbed. It would have been nice to see him win. It would have been nice to see more Padres get a little bit more love. But we all know. I mean, come on, guys. We all know that the Padres were the story of this season. Obviously, with Tatis leading the charge. And speaking of Tatis... Let's get right into my next topic, the happy topic, guys, which is this wonderful commercial from Adidas on our beloved El Nino, Fernando Tatis Jr. Now, I'm going to link below in the description of the podcast, uh, just a link to the video if you guys haven't seen it already. It's basically just a commercial where a bunch of old guys... You know, and there's so many small details in it that I loved so much, right? But there's a bunch of old guys just sitting around saying, you know, that all the words that you've heard, like word for word, the type of things you've heard before, especially the first guy they show where he's like, hey, you know, this Tatis guy, I don't like him. I don't like him, you know. And then they start getting, oh, it's a disrespect of the game and and this stuff. And look at him, look at him bat flipping. And, you know, you're doing all this bat flipping is one of what the guys say. Oh, you might as well be flipping burgers or some some nonsense right that. And I like the odd because it's basically almost like a serious satire of <laughs> just what baseball fans are truly like. Or at least old baseball fans, which is the key of the commercial. And there's little things in there, like when they show that the TV they're using in the first uh, kind of uh, duo that they show in the commercial, it's just this old TV that's got a dial on the side. It's it's kind of trying to emphasize, this is some tired-ass way of thinking when it comes to baseball. And it ends with, you know, uh, the guy telling him, he's like, you know, well, he's, he's, you know, if I wish I could play, I want to play the game the way I see all this nonsense, right? And he's like, well, you were never that good. And that's really true, man. All these people that were never that, that good at baseball. And I've talked before, and I even got a little bit of, of some feedback for this, but I'm in a mood today, ladies and gentlemen, so I'm going to bring that back because I feel like it, which is that I really think that the unwritten rules in baseball, number one, I think that it's BS that this has never existed. I think that plenty of guys from back in the day ran around with their arms in the air and freaking out and all that stuff. And they're like, oh, home run and people charging the field. I guarantee you they had that. And by the way, it still happens today, but in a different way. Lance Lynn, famously from the Texas Rangers, who we, of course, purchased that state this year, the San Diego Padres did this year. But uh, Lance Lynn last year, in order to get him to 200 strikeouts, his teammates let the ball drop. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, but that's not some type of, you know, uh, dishonor to the opponent to, like, you don't want him to be struck out instead? Very odd. Very odd. And number two, which is that, you know, aside from the fact that I really do think the unwritten rules are dumb and they 
have existed before. I, I hate this idea that celebrations have existed before. I really do think that there is this really kind of discriminatory force, this kind of, I don't like throwing out the racist word too much, but this really coded way of getting a rap about that, which is saying all these things that's like, hey, you know, this guy, be humble is always the term that you hear, right, guys? And I don't know about you, but man, Broussard Gratterall in the playoffs, he was great. I did not mind him freaking out after Cody Bellinger made that catch. I was upset with Manny Machado for barking at him for that. I thought that was ridiculous. If I saw my teammate just save the game and we're trying to win a World Series, I'd be losing my mind. I would want to charge out into the outfield and hug him. That's how happy I would be. And this is at a major league level. I have never been even close to the major league level, as it alludes to in the commercial. And I I mean, I wasn't even that good at baseball. The only thing I was good at baseball, if you guys are curious, I was like an okay fielder, kind of. I could play left a little bit. I had like three outfield assists in Little League. It was really fun. Like I had a, an okay arm considering I had not played all that much. I was never any that good. But, you know, just to flex a little tiny bit, you know, I remember them being like, hey, you should really, we should we should try you pitching or whatever. I remember them saying that to me, but this is years and years ago. This is like when I was like 16, I think. And that was like eight years ago, right? I'm, I'm an oldie now. Uh, I remember them saying that. I was like, oh, wow. And I never tried it because I fell out of, uh, playing sports, I guess, the same way I used to enjoy them. I just, I, I, it just didn't become fun for me anymore when I was playing it in a serious way and for a, a team, you know what I mean, like in local, like professional type of way. But anyway, uh, just just my playing career aside, it was. I'm just trying to emphasize how much like I would have lost my mind if I made some of the type of plays that these guys make in the major league level. And I really like that Tatis has kind of become, in a pretty short time span thanks to multiple coverage, and some people, I feel like baseball media is trying to make him more of a thing and more of an international, like, you know, you know, national baseball league star, but I would say he's kind of become that face of the new generation. He really has, because Mike Trout, he's great. He is the star. He was probably the star of this, this last decade. He's probably the defining player, but he's not all that exciting. It's kind of boring, actually, by in contrast, right? And Tatis plays all out. He's doing the bat flips. He's mean mugging his own bench, which is, to me, the most underrated kind of thing that he does. I've always enjoyed that the most. I love it when he, he just looks at his bench, <laughs> you know? I love it when he just looks at the dugout and just is like, almost like they're the enemy. Like, he wants to fight them now for some reason, right? I love it so much, and I really think that it's kind of cool that this commercial is kind of a little bit of an evidence to that. And I've noticed, you know, Adidas and Nike and Under Armour, all these kind of shoe and athletic, you know, companies and all that, whatever, I don't know what to call them, clothing brand? I don't really know what to call them. Uh, like, they really embrace personalities in sports. You know, Nike, they will, they obviously have LeBron and they have all these guys. They will embrace everybody. They've embraced Colin Kaepernick famously from a couple of years ago, right, with his ads that he did. They're big into the, ch- the, the hip, the new, right? And it's kind of really cool to see Adidas do this in a way that wasn't like just... It was a creative commercial. That's what I liked about it the most. It was very creative. It wasn't just, let's just show Tatis working out and bat flipping and all this stuff, right? Instead, it was like, oh man, let's just show old timers being old timers. One one random like kind of thing I like is they showed uh, that there was a black couple uh, in it, which is kind of people very rarely when they talk about old baseball fans that are annoying, they don't talk about like uh, black, they say old white people and they actually had a, almost to like mix it up maybe because they didn't want to show all white people, which I thought was an interesting observation, but really that, that is my full takeaway on the, on the commercial guys. It was so glorious. I would analyze it frame by frame uh, if I had the time to do that. I'm in a little bit of a rush to do something right now, but 
you know, this commercial, really awesome. I'd love to see it just playing randomly on TV. And I wanted to end the podcast talking about this because despite the Clevenger thing, despite what the heck's going to happen, at least we got Fernando Tatis Jr., man. And more and more, after what's been announced with Clevenger and stuff, my big thing is almost right now just being like, give him all the money he wants. This guy's the future. At least we'll have him to look forward to. That's kind of where my headspace is at right now. Not just because of the commercial, but it was like a reminder. A reminder, and especially seeing what happened now. You know, obviously the Padres should, if they can, try and improve the team around him. But like I said on the on the mailbag the other day, would not be uh, upset if we extended the guy who really is the leading face of the future generation of the game. And the future, my friends, needs to be fun. Let's make baseball fun again. And with all that said, guys, that about does it for today's edition of the Lockdown Padres podcast, the only pod that may be better than the Padres themselves. Remember to subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts from, Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Himalaya, Overcast, you know, wherever, wherever. Just, just type it up in the search bar and you will find it. Be sure to follow the show or myself on Twitter. That's at LO underscore Padres or at Javapeno, which is J-A-V-I-I-P-E-N-O. Send me some five-star reviews on the Apple Podcasts app. I would really appreciate that for sure if you like the pod and until next time stay safe and of course stay faithful my fire faithful homies take care let's go